This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, good morning. Now let's try that again. Good morning. All right, welcome to RSCC. It's good to be here. I'm impressed you're here today. Now, I would have been a little bit more impressed if someone would have sat in the front row, but uh, I guess we're not like that yet. But hey, what better place to be, I think Ashley mentioned it, than to be here in the house of the Lord starting off the new year. So it's good to be with you. We're going to do something a little different today. I don't usually do this. Uh, I usually don't do standalone messages, but I wanted to do a standalone. Uh, next week, we're going to get into our, uh, our series about kind of how we operate as every January, we kind of do a vision series for the year. So we'll start that next week. So next week is when uh, we'll start getting all up in your grill a little bit. But today is going to be a kind of a message of hope. Um, it's not going to be one of those cheesy New Year's resolution sermons, uh, but it's going to be something I, I think that's going to be powerful for some of you. I, I think we're coming out of this two-year stretch where it's negative and nasty. And I think people, if you turn on the news and you turn on, you know, get in social media, I think people forget that God's still working. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about an event throughout scripture that it proves that God works even when we don't expect him to work. So that's where we're going to be today. And I'm excited about it. So we're going to, I'm going to pray. And we're going to get into it. So let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you are the God who brings us into something new. And we're not just talking about a New Year's resolution, a new habit, but you literally call us to a new way of living, a new life. And you are a God who makes a, a way when there's no way. You're a God that makes a victory when there seems like no victory to be made, God. So I pray today as, as we have this conversation, as we just talk, uh, that you open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I will start today with a little bit of uh, New Year's resolutions. I, I do like the new year. Um, I, I don't really do resolutions. I'm kind of one of those word guys. Like I think of like two words that I want to add to my life each year and then try to improve on those words. But I, I think what I like about the new year is most of you, for the most part, came in today with a pretty good attitude, right? You're pretty happy and smiley. Now, three weeks from now, you guys won't be doing that. You'll be like grunting and grunting, you know, complaining when you come in about something because it's going to be cold or snowy. But today, you're pretty, you're pretty positive. And I like that. With the new year, people have this optimism, like, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow morning, and there's going to be like 25 new people there, like, and they're going to be smiling and happy, and, you know, there's new goals to be set, and like, hey, you know, maybe you, you want to get better in your faith or grow in your faith. Maybe you want to work out more. Maybe you want to stop this nasty habit. But there's just something about the new year that it's like people feel feel like it's a, it's a new beginning. You hear that a lot, a fresh start. But it really what I like about the new year is there's this really big sense that you're walking into something new. And I think after the last two years that we've been through, people want to walk into something new. We're tired about hearing about COVID and vaccines and masks. And, and so I love that about the new year. And what we're going to look at today is a group of people who aren't stepping into a new year, but they're stepping into an entirely new life, uh, a, a way of living that they, they only dream about. They were slaves for 400 years. So that's your grandpa's grandpa, grandpa. They were slaves for that long. Their ancestors were slaves. And, and they'd always dreamed about the day that God would deliver them and, and set them free. So we're going to look at the Israelites. Particularly, we're going to look at the Red Sea, right? The splitting of the Red Sea, one of the biggest events of all scripture, an event that is talked about throughout the Old Testament 
talked about in the New Testament, and, and we're going to look at this event. And to get there, I want to tell you a little bit about a man named Moses. Now, this is going to be a quick synopsis of Moses. I'm not going to be able to give you everything you need to know. You may need to go home and read it, but if you have your Bibles, we will be in Exodus 14. So Moses was an Israelite, but he grew up in the Pharaoh's house or the Egyptian household. So he grew up living with the Egyptians, knowing the Egyptians. Uh, um, short story, Pharaoh's daughter saved him. And so he grew up as an Egyptian, but he's an Israelite. He gets older, finds out he's an Israelite. He kills an Egyptian, and then he flees out into the wilderness because he thinks he's going to be killed by Pharaoh. And in the wilderness, he's there for 40 years, 40 long years until one day God shows up in the form of a burning bush and says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to step into something new. I want you to step into this life I have, called, I have for you, and I want you to go back to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. Moses is reluctant, but eventually after God telling him to do this, Moses decides to go back to Pharaoh, and he goes up to Pharaoh all big and bad with God. You know, he's kind of scared, but God's going to speak through him and do some amazing things. And God, and he tells Pharaoh basically, let my people go. You know what Pharaoh does? Laughs in his face, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Moses, like, why are you here? So he doesn't, so Pharaoh doesn't listen. And then there's a series of plagues that you can read about in the book of Exodus. Eventually, Pharaoh says, okay, now I have to let my people go, right? Now, now I have to let God's people go. I can't afford this. So he gives them some money, gives them some gold, gives them some silver, and he lets them go. And he lets the Israelites go, right? And, and so God is going to literally hear me. He's going to guide them by a cloud and day and a pillar of fire by night. And he's going to guide them into this new journey of life, right? And it's going to be, he's going to lead them eventually to the place we're going to get to in a second. So here's what we're going to call today's conversation. We're going to call it through the waters. Everybody say that with me, through the waters, through the waters, right? So it's going to be pretty cool because we're going to look at something and this is going to make sense in a second, but God is going to lead them to a place that they didn't think it was going to happen. So God's going to lead them. You got to remember, by, by a cloud of day, pillar of fire by night, he's going to guide them on a path. And, and they're, they're, they think everything's going to be all peachy. They think everything's going to be fine. And what they're about to see is something's about to happen that they didn't think would happen. Something's going to happen that was not planned to happen. And I don't know about you, but I think we can relate to that last couple of years. Who would have thought about a global lockdown? Who would have thought about a virus? Who would have thought about, you know, weddings having to be canceled and graduations having to be online? And like, who would have thought about everything that would have happened in the last two years? And so something happened that was not planned. They, they want this peachy freedom, good life. What God's going to do is God's going to lead them to the banks of the Red Sea. He's going to lead them to the banks of the Red Sea, and that's where we pick up in Exodus 14. And this is really important uh, to kind of figure out. It says, the Lord told Moses they are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are, are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and, I, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So God is guiding them by, by cloud of day, pillar of fire by night. And he, he guides them to the banks of the Red Sea. Now, let's think about this. The scholars predict there's about two million of them. Old, young, male, female. They have all their you know, cattle, all their possessions. And they're probably worn out. They're, they're used to being slaves. After 400 years, they're finally freed. And, and God has led them to the banks of the Red Sea. And he says, I did this because I want Pharaoh to think that you guys are confused. 
so where he geographically leads them is to kind of explain this. It's, it's a, a sea, a red sea. It's not like a creek. It's not like the Ohio River. It's bigger. So it's this wide sea. And then they say on either side it is mountain ranges most likely. So you can either go forward, you can go this way, or you can go backwards. But backwards represents Egypt. So you're really stuck in a hard place, uh, you know, between a rock and a hard place, literally. And, and they have nowhere to go. Well, we're not going to read the verses, but the verses go on, and, and Pharaoh decides that he's, he goes, you know what? I don't know why I let them go. So it says he takes 600 chariots, which today are like modern-day tanks, 600 chariots, and they are the superpower of the world at this time, and he takes them, and he says, I'm going to go pursue the Israelites. So now you're stuck between a mountain range on each side or something on each side where you cannot move. you got a sea in front of you, and you got an army behind you. Not a place where they wanted to be. And then they face what we call the Red Sea moment. And the Red Sea moment is this. They can either go forward or backwards. What's forward? Well, they got a bunch of slaves, worn out slaves, and they have a sea in front of them. And they can swim. You're going to be able to swim across the whole sea? Probably not. Most of you are going to die. What's backwards? Pharaoh and 600 chariots pursuing you. What's he going to do? Well, he's either going to capture you and make you a slave or he's going to kill you. So they're, the, they're, they're, they're in this Red Sea moment. And I want to stop here and say this. All of us in our life will face a Red Sea moment or moments. And it could be a, a physical sickness. It could be a, a mental illness. It, it could be a financial situation. It, it, it could be a, a, a death of someone. It could be you're tempted by something. But you're face-to-face -face with your Red Sea moment. And what happens when you're face-to-face -face with your Red Sea do you think, well, you know, God's going to rescue me? No. When, you, when you're face-to-face -face with the Red Sea, here's what usually happens. You see the bills, you see the pain, you see no way out. Here's what, we don't anticipate a miracle. We don't anticipate God stepping in and doing something. What we see is we see danger, we see pain, we see discouragement, we see defeat. We see a lose-lose circumstance. That's what they see. They, they're face-to-face -face with the Red Sea. They're, they're at the banks of the Red Sea. They think God's going to guide them. They think God's going to protect them. And all of a sudden, everything they thought was going to happen changes in an instant. And now they're starting to lose faith. And we pick up in verse 10, and this is what it says. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out. This is what they said. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And it continues, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. <clears throat> Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Here's what they do. They do what we do best. They start complaining. They said, Moses, why did you bring us out here? We told you, we want to stay in Egypt. We at least know what Egypt represents. We at least know what, how they're going to treat us. Why did you bring us out to the desert to die? So all, they're like, Moses, like this is your fault. You brought us to the banks of the Red Sea, and now we're going to die. We would have rather stayed in Egypt and been slaves our entire life. Why did you bring us out here? You see, they started this journey in faith. Now all they see in front of them is the Red Sea. They're barely out of the parking lot of Egypt. Now they're already down in God. They started in faith. Maybe you started 2019, 2020, 2021 in faith. But now all you see in front of you is the Red Sea. All you see is the circumstance, the pain, the situation, the temptation, the, the, the divorce. Maybe that's all you see. These people, man, you got to think. Literally, right out of the parking lot of Egypt. 
They're already doubting God. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at four realizations that this event teaches us about our faith. And the first one is this. God knows where he's going. And God knows where he's going and God knows what he's doing. But what the Israelites do is often what we do. They start the journey. They start this, this journey on faith. They're like, oh God, you're guiding us. This is so amazing. You know what you're doing. This is great. But by the time they get to the Red Sea, which would have been a matter of a couple days or you know, a little time, a relatively short amount of time, they're like, God, you don't know what you're doing. And you don't know where you're going. God, you have no idea where you're going. You have no idea what you're doing. You see, we, we, we start to change, like, God, we trust you to God, we doubt you. God, you don't know what you're doing. And it kind of reminds you back to college. In college, um, I, I often tell people this, I was broke, and, and I was broke as a joke. Like, I was so broke. And so Whitney did not marry me because of my money. She, mar- she married me because of my strikingly good looks. But, uh, <clears throat> so I was broke, and, and I didn't have a smartphone. I actually didn't have a smartphone until a couple years in, you know, working here, but I didn't have a smartphone, and I often would have to travel places, so I would need a GPS. Um, back in the day, you might remember this, GPSs looked a little bit like this, right? You couldn't get everything on your phone. Well, my friend gave me a GPS that, this is how old this is, I couldn't even get a non-blurry picture, right? It's old, right? So it's like ancient, but I, uh, he gave me a GPS that looked like this. The only problem with the GPS was it wasn't updated. Right? Back in the day, you used to have to update these things, plug in the computer, upload the maps, all that fun stuff. Right? And, and, and so I would put in an address and say, I need to go to this town. And then all of a sudden, I would start following this GPS. And I would be trusting that it's going to take me where I need to go. But over and over again, this GPS took me to the wrong place, the wrong town, the wrong address, took me to roads that no longer existed. And you know what? Because I was broke and had no other options, I followed this thing over and over and over and over and over again, even though I knew it would probably take me to the wrong place. And sometimes in life, we will blindly follow things like sport teams. We will blindly follow our money. We will blindly follow our job. We will blindly follow whatever it is. And we know it's going to take us to the wrong destination, But then all of a sudden God comes on and says, hey, I know what I'm doing. I know where you're going. But we doubt him and we don't follow him blindly. We don't follow him. We say, God, I don't know. I don't know. Do you really know what you're doing? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing? You see, the Israelites wanted this easy, free, easy and fast way, route that that they wanted. They wanted freedom right away. They wanted life to be easy as soon as they got out of Egypt. And the route the Israelites wanted to take was not the way God wanted them to go. Think about that. Maybe it wasn't the way God wanted them to go. And I, and I think about our life. Often we want the easy way. We want the successful way. We want the fast way. We want the, the way that brings the most money, the way that brings the most success, the way that brings the most fun. We, we want that way. We want it fast. But maybe it's not the route God wants to take you on. Maybe Maybe... It's not the way God wants to take you at all. You see, the the Israelites who were brought to the banks of the Red Sea, I think what's overlooked is that God's the one who brought them there. It's exact. It said in verse one, God told them to camp there. He's like, I brought you here for a reason. And what they had to do is they had to have faith. But the only problem was. As, as God is guiding them by night, by, uh, by day, by a cloud, and pillar of fire by night, the only problem was, as they approached the banks of the Red Sea, 
the Egyptians behind them and no way out on either side. They were called to have faith, but they forgot. What do I mean they forgot? Well, I think they forgot that it was God who was guiding them. It was a miracle that God's physical presence was guiding them by a cloud and a pillar of fire. It was a miracle that after 400 years, they were, they were set free. It was a miracle that God was even calling them to step into this new life at all. It was a miracle that, that God was going to have Pharaoh's heart hardened. It was a miracle that they were even in the situation they were in, but they forgot about that because all they could see was the Red Sea. That's all they could see in front of them. All they could see was the Red Sea. And, and I, I just think after the last two years and, and the situation, as you look at life, and maybe you're going through a situation right now, and you're called to have faith, but all you see is the Red Sea. And, and maybe the way things are going in your life is not the way you want them to go. And, and maybe God's saying, hey, you got to trust me that I know what I'm doing and where I'm going. But we don't like to hear that. I want to say it this way today, that maybe we want the microwave, but God's saying he's going to use the crock pot. We want the microwave, but God says he's going to use a crock pot. And we don't like that because we live in an instant gratification culture. I saw some people lose their mind on Facebook this last month because packages were not being delivered fast enough. Right? I saw people cra go crazy. Right? They, they wanted to fight, it, fight the UPS drivers, the post office. They wanted to fight FedEx because their packages were not getting delivered to their house. Not, not to mention, like, 100 years ago, packages from California to, you know, maybe Chicago would have taken days or not years if it didn't get lost. But, hey, if we don't get our Amazon Prime in two days, we're going to go crazy, right? We got Google, we got Uber, we got, you know, we have everything at the click of a fingertip. We're an instant gratification culture. We want everything now. We don't like the wait. We want the microwave or, the, you know, the new thing is we want the air fryer, right? We want the air fryer. But God's gonna, God says, I'm going to use the crock pot. If you don't know what crock pot is, I've never really used one, but you put things in there and it cooks slowly, right? Microwave cooks fast. And I want you to think about a microwave for a second. Microwave may be the fastest way, but it's not the best way, is it? You guys don't go out to eat into this fancy restaurant. And you're like, hey, man, I really hope that chef knows how to use that microwave. Woo! Man, I hope he can cook that steak in the microwave. It's fat. Woo-wee! I, I just, I hope he uses the microwave, and I'm going to pay top dollar for it. No, you say, I want the chef to cook with the best tools possible and the best way possible, even if I have to wait a little while. Because in a microwave, it may be the fastest way, but it's not the best way. A microwave does not give you the best results. Now, I'm not a chef, but I'll, I'll use pizza rolls. Anybody like pizza rolls? I love those things. You do not cook pizza rolls in a microwave. You cook, or crock pot for that, but you put them in an oven, you let them sit at 420 degrees, 430 degrees, perfect heat to golden perfection, right? You don't microwave them. And we want the best results. And all of you would say, I want the best results for my life, but the problem is you don't want to go through the process that gives you the best results. You want to go through the microwave. But God's not always going to microwave your life because he wants the best for you. And you know, and I know, that the microwave does not produce the best. And sometimes we got to trust that God knows what he's doing. God knows where he's going. Even if he takes us the long way. 
even if he takes us the route of the crock pot instead of the, the microwave. Maybe what God's been doing the last two years is taking you the, the long way. He's been putting you in a crock pot instead of a microwave. And, and did you know, here's what's awesome. Do you know that there actually was a shorter route that God could have taken the Israelites on that did not lead them to the banks of the Red Sea? There was a shorter route. So they're probably at the banks of the Red Sea. They're like, hey, God, uh, did you know there's actually a shorter way? And God's like, yes, I know there's a shorter way, but do you know what's on the shorter way, Israelites? Here's where the Bible's so cool. On the shorter way that God could have taken them, but he didn't, and he took them the long way, and he takes them to the long way to the banks of the Red Sea, not the short way. On the shorter route, there were, there were the Philistines. What were the Philistines? The Philistines were a great army, right? What were the Israelites? They were not a great army yet. God was going to make them a great army someday. But right now, they're just a bunch of former slaves, right? They're not an army. And throughout the other way, there's Philistine camps all over the place, meaning little armies all over the place. In Exodus 13, God talks about this. And here's what it says in Exodus 13. For God said, if they face war, the Israelites, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. He's like, I'm not taking you the other way because if you go the other way, you're going to see the army and you're going to run, want to run back to Egypt anyways. So God's actually protecting them by taking them the, the crockpot way instead of the microwave way. You know what I'm saying? This is so cool. God's like, I know you and I'm going to make you into a great army. I'm preparing you for something, but you're not ready for it yet. So I can't give you the microwave. I got to give you the crockpot, Israelites, and I'm going to take you the long way. And the long way is going to lead you to the banks of the Red Sea, but it's actually the best way for you. And I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing. You just got to trust me. And here's where this hits to you and me. And I think this is so important. You don't know what God is doing when he's taking you the long way around. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know what mistake he's saving you from. How many of you have ever had an unanswered prayer? Right, you prayed, you wanted it so, so bad. God didn't answer it. How many of you are thankful God, God never answered that prayer, right? So many of us, right? There are so many things like, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. God's like, no, 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 listen. That's not, you don't want that. See, you don't know what God is doing when he... He's taking you the long way around. You don't know what he's saving you from. You don't know what mistake. You don't know what addiction. You don't know what, what pain he may be protecting you from. What we got to realize that is in the microwave, you don't get the best results. In the crock pot, it takes some time. It takes some time to cook. You got to you know, set it on slow boil. I don't know how it works, but it just slowly cooks, right? And in this long way, it's so important to our faith. And I think it's really we don't want it, but it's what we need. It's in the long way around, in the crock pot, if you will, is where we really learn to trust God. I would actually say this, through my experience and through working with people, the people who have the strongest faith are those who learn to trust God in a long way. That it's in the long way where that sanctification, that fancy word sanctification happens, that process where, where God is changing you and the Holy Spirit is molding you and shaping you and changing you more and more and more like Jesus. It's in the long way where we learn to trust God. So when you're face to face with your Red Sea moment, whatever that may look like, it's God calling you to trust him. The Israelites are face to face with a Red Sea moment. God's calling them to trust. And what, what God is calling them and us to do is at the banks of the Red Sea, he's saying, trust me. I know where I'm going. 
So when you're face to face with it, and, and you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're like, I don't see how this is going to happen. I don't, I, don't, I don't see any way out of this. God is saying, listen, trust me. So that realization number one is God knows where he's going. Second realization that we're going to look at today is God will make a way when there is no way. When there seems like no way around it, no way through it, no way in it, God is going to make a way. So Moses is, remember Moses, we talked about him at the beginning. He's the leader here. Now he, the people are turning on Moses. They're complaining to Moses saying, Moses, you might as well have left us in Egypt. Why have you brought us here? So Moses steps up as this leader and God, he, he trusts God. He knows God's going to make a way. He, he, he anticipates that God's going to do something. Moses steps up and this is what he says in verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Right? Easier said than done. You got 600 chariots coming at you, right? But do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. He's like, stand firm. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. He's, he's saying, God's going to wipe them out here, right? The Lord will fight for you. You need to only be still. He tells them to do, what, what are the two things he tells them to do? Well, three things. Do not be afraid, but... Stand firm, be still. Loosely translated, stand firm and be quiet. Right? So imagine, you got 600 chariots coming at you. (laughs) Moses, this great leader, steps up and says, listen, don't be afraid. Stand firm and shut your mouth, right? Stop complaining. I want to talk about that. Stand firm and be quiet. I want to talk about the be quiet section. Because I, I was like, that is, that's interesting. Why, why? Basically, he's like, hey, shut it. Like, you're complaining, just shut it, right? I, I wish we could say that sometimes. Right? Hey, just shut it, right? But stand firm, be quiet. What's he saying? He's saying be quiet. No, don't, just, don't just be quiet with your words. But I'm thinking, I, I imagine that as the banks of the Red Sea, he's like, quiet your thoughts. Because what, what's the main problem here? They're called to have faith, but they have doubt. And if you can be quiet, what happens? Doubt dies if it's never spoken. Think about that. If you don't give doubt a, a second in your mind, a second in your, out of your mouth, it dies. And Moses is like, if you, can just stand, if you can just stand firm, be strong, have faith, be quiet, shut down your doubts in your mind, shut down the complaining and grumbling out of your mind, you can have faith that God will work. And I want, I want to think about this, and I think this is so important because this is what I see from my perspective of my job and leading a church and being a minister, is we frame, we frame our world with the words we speak. That's, just, that's not just me. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, you literally have the, your words have the power of life and death. And I think with the last two years and what has happened is so many people have framed their world with death. They turn on the news, they get on social media, and, and, and they speak death over their kids. They speak death over their circumstances. They speak death over their job. They speak death over their spouse. It's all about what's not going to happen, what God can't do, how things are awful. They just complain and grumble and complain and grumble and complain and grumble. And we frame our world with the words we speak. So you're face to face with your Red Sea moment, and all you're doing is speaking death. 
And Moses is saying, listen, we got we to gotta reframe what we're seeing here. Speak, speak life into your uh, spouse. Speak life into your kids. Speak life into your circumstances. So the question we got to ask as, as we're facing this Red Sea moment, as our life may not be going the way we want it to be, what are you speaking? What are you speaking over your spouse? If your marriage isn't working, what are you speaking in your mind? If your relationship with your kids aren't going the way you want it to be, what are you speaking? What about your circumstance? When you're face to face with the Red Sea, what are you speaking? You see, the Israelites, we know what they were speaking. They're speaking death because God has just rescued them. Now they're on the banks of the Red Sea, complaining and grumbling. Moses, this leader, steps up and says, listen, stand firm and be quiet. Stop speaking death. You see, they thought they were at a dead end. They thought they were at a dead end. At the Red Sea. They thought the Red Sea was where it all ended. But what, they, but what they were on, they were on the banks of a miracle. So the story continues, and God speaks up now. So Moses speaks up, then God speaks up, and I love what God says. Then the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. He goes, Moses, right? Why are you crying out to me? I love that. He goes, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain the glory, not you, Moses. I will gain the glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through the Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. I don't know why I repeated that self, but it's saying, listen, I'm going to get the glory here, not you. So here's what he's saying, realization number three, is we have to move. He's like, Moses, why are you crying out to me? I told you just to trust me. He's like, tell them to stop grumbling and complaining, and it's time to move. It's time to take some action. And, and I really feel like in 2022, the word that God has given the church in the United States is move. COVID happened, right? It's no more what happened before COVID. It's no more, this is what attendance was before COVID. He's like, no, what you got is what you got. Who's here is who's here, and you got to move with what you got. He's like, we are got to move. He's, and sometimes we, we use, you got to understand this. Uh, you, we need to pray. You need to pray before every circumstance. But sometimes we use prayer as procrastination. And God, sometimes God answers our prayer by saying, move. Moses, I already told you what I'm going to do. Why are you crying out to me? And God is saying to you and me and right now in, in the church, he's like, I'm ready to move. Are you? I'm ready to move past the Red Sea. Are you? Are you ready to do something? Are you ready to take some action? Stop talking. Are you ready to move? God's saying, I'm ready to move. Are you? Okay. And here's what he tells Moses. Listen to this. It's so cool. It goes back to verse 16. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. God, God makes it sound really, really simple. He's like, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the banks of the Red Sea. I know this has never been done in the history of mankind. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your staff. Boom, right? Fancy cane, basically, right? I want you to lift your hands, and the sea's going to divide. Right? So it'd basically be like me lifting my hands and just doing this, and boom, all your chairs go flying that way and that way, right? Sounds, sounds simple enough, right? Never been done in the history of mankind before or after, but hey, Moses, go ahead and do it. So it, it's not simple. It's really, really difficult, but it's amazing what's happening. But God says, Moses, I'm going to do all the work. 
What I need from you is so cool. What I need from you is just a little bit of obedience. Moses, I'm going to part the Red Sea. See this giant body of water, right? He's like, it's like, you know, it's like if we went down to the river today and we parted the Ohio River. Who knows what we're going to find at the bottom of it, but if we parted it, it'd be amazing, right? He's like, here's here's what you're going to do. Go to the banks, touch out your staff, lift up your arms, and I'll part the sea. I'm going to do it, Moses. You're not going to do it. Here's what I need from you, Moses. I just need a little bit of obedience. Because Moses could be like, God, whoa, whoa, whoa. Part the Red Sea. You see how big this water is? I don't know. Moses, just, just walk out. Just a little bit of obedience. I'll do all the hard work. I, I got all the hard work. You just lift your arms. Right? All of us can lift our arms, right? He's like, you go to the Red Sea? Lift your arms. I'll take care of the rest. All he's calling is a little bit of obedience. What God, God is calling us to have a little bit of, of, of obedience moving into 2022. God's calling us to trust that he can make a way when there is no way. And all we have to do is move when we're called to move. Even if he says, lift your arms. Raise your staff and lift your arms, right? He says, Moses, that's all I want you to do. Well, it, well, it continues, and, and here's what happens. Then Moses stretched his little, a little bit of obedience. He stretched out his hands over the sea. And all the night, all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. There's a really cool phrase in here that I love. This whole event is amazing, right? You know, it's like the Prince of Egypt moment, like, you know, Moses does this and the sea splits. And you can try to explain science all through it. You know, you can go online, you can say, well, this theory happened, this theory happened. I don't know how it happened, but God did it. That's all that really I care about. But what's a really cool phrase is this. Turned it into dry land. Dry land. I love that phrase. So not only does God part the Red Sea... He turns the, you know, because if you part, you know, if you, if you remove the water from the river right now, it's all going to be mud. But you, he, he did this and created dry ground. Right? They're going to walk through the Red Sea and they're not even going to get a, a drop of mud on their Nikes. Think about that, right? Dry ground. And I want you to imagine this picture. As they're walking through, you got this giant wall. I don't know how big the wall of water would have been, but it would have been massive. And it probably would have been windy and it would have been loud. And you're walking through the middle of the Red Sea. And you're like, man, I cannot believe this. But at the same time, at any moment, you're probably thinking, okay, what if this falls on us? They're probably so terrified that they didn't even probably notice it was dry ground. They probably never noticed that they weren't walking in mud. And I think that can relate to you and me. The last two years have been messy. Life is messy. Life is difficult. But I fear that a lot of people forgot that God's still working. Because life hasn't been beautiful. And I just wanted to give us a little hope today that don't miss the beauty of what God is doing in your life because of the mess that is surrounding the beauty. In the middle of all this, you know what's amazing? We've had a lot of baptisms. We've had a lot of new people come to Christ. We've had a lot of new people come to church. We've hardly had to cut anything out of our budget. That's God working through you and in this church. And and there's stories about that. And maybe attendance is down. But I see God working in, in this mess all around. 
And I think we forget that, and we, and we forget the beauty. And I want to end this as we head into this year, just a reminder to tell you this. This realization number four is God will split the sea to set, to set me free. And I want you to believe that. That God will split the sea to set you free from addiction, from pain, from chaos. See, God's priority is to set you free. Not to be comfortable, not to give you the life you want, but his priority is to set you free from the things in this life that cause you to doubt, that cause you to separate, that cause you to miss what he is doing in this life. The rest of the story goes on, and the, the Israelites make it through, and then they get through, and then there's a whole other story about what happens to them. But the, the, the Egyptians follow, and not a single Egyptian makes it. And you can, and, and, but the, God's people do. God parts the Red Sea, and they make it. God sets them free, and it's, it's a, a, a literally, it's a vision of them being set free, and he literally set them free by wiping them out. And I know we've been talking about Exodus 14, but here's what's amazing, is the same God that worked in Exodus 14 is the same God who works today. God still sets you free. God's still a miracle worker. God still set, makes a way when there is no way. God is still in the reconciliation business. He's still in the redemption business. He is still in the business of saving us and setting us free and splitting the sea. God is still working in the world. You still have value and you still have purpose. And what's amazing about this scripture, and why I want to use the Red Sea, is the Red Sea, is, it points to something bigger. It points to the work of Jesus setting us free from sin. That's what I mean by God sets us free. If you think about it, God set the Israelites free from, sin, uh, from slavery of Egyptians. Jesus sets us free through, from the sin, uh, uh, the slave, slavery of sin. And, and when they walk through the Red Sea, it's symbolic of uh, Christians walking through the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a symbolic moment that once we were separated from God, we were face to face with the Red Sea of sin, and God made a way through Jesus. And all we have to do is put our faith in him, be obedient, you know, be baptized, trust him, and walk through the sea, walk through the other side. And that's what the Red Sea points to. And the, the splitting of the Red Sea. And this is what the last verse of this chapter says. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. As we head into 2022, here's what I want to do. I want us to be a church that moves and puts their trust in the Lord. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you make a way when there is no way. We are so thankful that you are the God who works when there doesn't seem to be any way out of this, God. When we see doubt, you, get, you call us to have faith. You call us to have obedience and put our faith and trust in you, Father. And we will do that. And as we head into this new year, into this new season, Father, we know that big things are planned and you can do things that no one else has planned, Father. So I pray that we're obedient. We trust you. We know where you're going and we know what you're doing, that, that we move when you call us to move, God. So if there's anyone here today, Father, who needs to, to maybe take that first step to move in the direction to a relationship with your son, Jesus, Father, I would love to have a conversation with them in the back of this room, God. We love, we love you. We're grateful for you. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. 
Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.